Welcome to another episode of the Freedom to be Happy podcast brought to you by happiness.me. I'm Sukriti your host. Today we have an incredible guest whose journey is nothing short of inspiring. She began her career in engineering and after a turning point in her life she shifted gears into education. Almost a decade into education she moved into an even bigger role as a transformational coach. More than all of her work achievements, people find her approach soulful and gentle. People are easily drawn to her comforting and warm personality. And in today's episode, we want to know her perspective on happiness and that shift from moving from the outer world of community involvement to the inner world of coaching. A very warm welcome to Jill Majeski. We have been waiting to have you on the show. Thank you for agreeing to do this. This is wonderful Sukriti. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. Fantastic. I think I want to start the podcast uh by first asking you the most um you know, I'm really curious to know that what is was there a significant moment or an experience that inspired you to shift your focus from the outer world of community involvement to the inner world of coaching? And I also want to know how did this transition contribute to your personal happiness and fulfillment it's an it's an interesting question this transition i if i think about it and go back into the timeline it actually makes me remember about my family and my parents it takes me back and makes me think about some of the qualities that i grew up with you know the good honest living working hard and having a certain amount of discipline in life and it's really interesting how when i decided or had that moment that kind of um how do you want to say it definitely was an instant where i knew that something had to shift and change mm-hmm. so in that moment i really was being honest with myself in that instant about where i was what my work was and how i wanted to live you know and in that moment i had to decide if i wanted to take action and i think that kind of i had to be courageous in that moment and i really had to take that step and luckily i didn't have a lot of time in that instant hmm it was like one of those situations where you do it now or you wait hmm and i took the call and i went and i said that this is a time where I needed to leave what was comfortable for me. I needed to leave my, you know, in in your know, your career you make it such that you thrive and you grow and you have community and colleagues and a whole community with you. I had like so many people I was working with. But I think at one stage you decide that your there are gaps. There are gaps in your own self, there are gaps in your own. In that case it was an emotional space. or a spiritual space which were my gaps i was needing some support and guidance for more awareness more stability and there was further for me to go so i think it was really an opportunity for me to stop listen to that inner voice <laughs> as you listen to the calling it was definitely a calling mm. 
And because of the timing, I was able to take a quick decision. And, you know, it's that courage to action that is when I, you know, when I think about it, it's that instance when you decide and you know, it's so powerful. So I think um, that transition, if I think about it also, the work that I was doing as a community leader isn't very far from what I'm doing now. So the transition from what perceives to be an outer world to the inner world was so much about partnering, being in a really strong relationship, and really wanting the best for the other person. It's really that servant leadership mentality where I truly always wanted the best for my students. And even now in coaching, I truly only want the best for my clients and I want them to grow and thrive and really have the fullest, most authentic version of their life. So it's, if I think about it, there are so many similarities between the two roles, but yes, sitting down one-on-one and having those kind of intimate conversations with people definitely took me into a very different place within myself. And now I feel that this is my journey. My journey is to go deep inside myself. My journey is to hit all those walls (laughs) that separate me from my potential. And this is what I sit down and I do with my clients. What What an amazing transition. I feel that it has been most natural to you, isn't it? Even though it's a very conscious decision, it's just so when you when you're explaining it, it sounds as if it is this is this had to happen. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the calling. I think sometimes when you get those moments, and I think a lot of us get it. A lot of us get things that we know about relationships, about work, about jobs, about people, about whatever we hear and we experience in the world. We have a knowing about it, but we don't always have the capacity to act on it. Maybe it's not appropriate. Maybe yeah. it's not our jurisdiction. Maybe it's not our our place. But I think when it comes to our own life and our own career, we have that autonomy. We have that sovereignty. Hmm. Very oh, interesting. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. I also, I'm also wondering that, you know, this whole dilemma of inner and outer world, you know, especially at workplace, you know, today in a chaotic world, you know, people are struggling to listen to their inner voice. Uh, You know, they're struggling to find inner peace because they are dealing with so much of outer noise, right? So, Jill, if you can tell me some methods, uh, you know, that people can really apply, you know, like practical methods that they can apply in their life in order to tap into their inner wisdom and navigate the chaos of the outer world to really find happiness and fulfillment. How to listen to your inner voice and actually take action? Well, as you mentioned, the transition for myself into happiness and fulfillment you mentioned earlier, you know, it's a process. I think the the best way I can speak is from my own experience and my own chaos that was happening in my mind as well as outside as well. So I think, I think the, the key part of it is it's a choice. It's a choice for change. It's a choice for doing something different. It's a choice for this idea that I'm not really satisfied where I am. I think sometimes facing our own dissatisfaction is a really tough process. If we really take a moment, because, you know, there's so much in the market now about sitting and mindfulness and meditating and 
positive psychology. There are so many messages that ask us to override what's really going on inside. So, I mean, I think one of the steps is just this idea that if things are not okay, they're not okay. If things don't feel right, maybe they're not okay for you. Maybe this isn't the right space. Maybe this requires some investigation. And I really feel like the process is an investigation. We need to look into the complexities of all our emotion and all our experience. But again, we have to have that driving force. We have to have that clear motivation, which is saying maybe things can be a little better. Maybe there are areas I can work on and reflect. Maybe there are things I need to change from my lens. Maybe there are action points I can take. I mean, there are so many different avenues people can can look into to create that change. But I think facing the chaos, and most of the time it's the chaos that's inside our minds. It's that monkey mind. It's that, maybe it's the emotions, the chaos of emotions. Because it is like a soup. I oftentimes speak about emotions like a soup. It's all mashed together. It's all mixed. And it's very, very difficult to separate things and pick them apart. It becomes like a web. So oftentimes when we sit down and we make a very clear conscious choice that, you know, I could need, I need some support with this. I've been doing the best I can. I've been going along in my life and maybe everything on the outside looks great, but inside might be a very different story. So I think that taking support and really listening, that's the inner voice piece. And I think it's, it's okay if things are not feeling okay. Um, it's not something wrong that we're doing. Life is a mix of everything. So I think one of the biggest, if I could just say this to anyone who's listening, is if you need support, you need guidance, you need wisdom, you need options, you just feel like you're in need of anything. Love, community, belonging, acceptance. There's so many things that we need as human beings to thrive. So I think reaching out and getting those for ourselves, finding different ways. Again, it's a soup of emotion. So we're also going to need a very, like a myriad of pieces in our life to feel whole. So I think it's putting those pieces together, putting those tools together, communities, relationships, or maybe it's the nature of the work that you're doing that needs a shift. So it's like putting those puzzle pieces together and not doing it alone. Mm. You know, there's one something you said for like taking personal responsibility. Of course, I'm a big advocate that we take personal responsibility in life. But I also know that I'm not here alone. And isolation is something that I think, you know, post-pandemic, this world we live in, we feel so much of it. We're on our phones, in social media, and kind of very insular. And one of the things I've learned on this journey is just there's no, there's so many beautiful people and communities out there to grow together. So I would say whenever we're facing our own chaos, reach out, be connected, find those things that um, fulfill your basic needs and, um, and let it be fun. Let it be, you know, this beautiful discovery of these parts of yourselves that are becoming expressed and becoming you know, apparent to everybody. So it's that also showing ourselves to the world in, in so many different ways or even to ourselves. 
So the chaos, of, yeah, the chaos of the world is not going to change, but we can work within ourselves and for ourselves. And then hopefully when we're really well resourced, we can also contribute to that outer space that we see as chaotic. We can really flip it around and be that ripple for others with that hope, that faith, that sense of purpose and meaning. You know, we can just take whatever we cultivate and offer it, which is really the beauty of the, of this work if you're going to get into self-discovery. It's that it's that final offering that you're able to give to the world, like shining your light <laughs> for everyone to see. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think you're doing a fabulous job with that. And what I take back from it is also that when your inner self, when when you listen to your inner voice, not only can you contribute to the outer world, you can actually make it better. So what I took back from, which is very interesting. So it's actually deeply connected, the inner world and the outer world. Uh, it's really, really fantastic. Uh, Jill, another question that I have for you. Sure. Is, um, I'm very curious about relationship between money and happiness. Okay, now money I know is really essential for meeting basic needs such as food, shelter, healthcare, all of that is important. Um, having enough money to cover these necessities, it really contributes to, you know, a sense of security, well-being and of course, enhance your happiness 100%. Yeah. But I also see that uh, a lot of people, a lot of people's happiness is directly connected to their bank balance or to the salaries, or, you know, waiting for their raise, uh, you know, from their um, organizations. And and that, you know, can be a little unhealthy sometimes, right? Uh, So what I want to ask you is, if you can tell us, how can individuals improve their relationship with money in order to become happy? Wow. This is a big one. It's a big question. Yes, of course. Um, money has a lot of, a lot behind it. It's a very complex uh, relationship. And I think that's what comes to mind most when you say that, the, you know, between money and happiness, it's, it's really the relationship we have with money that will be the cause of the happiness or not. Um, Like you said, kind of getting on the hamster wheel and you because we've seen so many people uh, where they achieve so much yet don't really have that just for life or they lose it. Yeah. So, um, you know, I think if it's a relationship that we have with money, then it's this idea that what is the relationship? How does it work? Where did it come from? Where did we learn it? How is it expressed? Um, If we're really looking for security that is also another piece to open up because not everybody has the same experiences in life to define security and safety the same way. And I definitely find that safety and security is root in every area of people's lives as a necessity and requirement. So if we investigate ourselves, really what's going to, because culturally, I think too, we want to be successful professionally. Mm -hmm. And a lot of that pressure is there to, you know, we get the degrees, we get the titles, we get the job, then we hope for the salary and all the rest of it, right? Keep going in the timeline of life. But the question is, is whether or not we are living like a ha- a, an equation for a happy life. So success in life versus success in our professional digits, 
So what is the success in life for a person? What would that be? What would that entail? So it's about prioritizing also. Because money is definitely there. I mean, it's an energy and it's also a currency. It's something that moves. So it's not stagnant. So again, we want certainty so badly. And we feel that that bank balance will be our certainty. But I would be curious to know what are the other things that can bring us that same feeling of certainty. Um, for myself personally, uh, going back to what I said about how I was raised, I always had this really ha- re- good relationship with working and this am- ambition to every day, you know, wake up and do things. I just felt like this is a part of life. We had that discipline. And with that also came this idea that if I always work, I'll always earn. So what's the worry? If I'm always working and I'm always earning, then won't things be all right? So I also think it's, you know, what we expect out of that money, what we expect out of taking that holiday or, you know, we have this expectation for what it's going to bring us. And, in you know, in coaching, one of the things we do is we investigate, you know, the holistic aspects of life, all the different parts of life that we need to put together to truly have satisfaction and fulfillment. And what we recognize is when I work with clients is there are other areas that need development. You know, if we put all our safety and security into the money bucket and it's not quite where we think it needs to be, of course, we're going to feel disappointed or upset or unfulfilled. But there are so many other avenues in our life with our relationship, our recreation, our spirituality, if it's there, whatever. There are so many different components to who we are and what we are. And maybe in this hyper how do I want to say, visual world, also the one that shows us uh, maybe what's not real (laughs) on social media, but also (laughs) this idea that we want things quick. Yeah, We want things quick versus steady. So um, if we're really honest about ourselves and we're building more of a holistic heart, a holistic life, then we won't solely rely on one thing. And the hope would be is, we'll be getting that safety and security from other places and happiness also. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Like this Sochcast? Tune in for more with the Sochcast app from the Google Play Store. So, so the whole idea is to first really find out, you know, I really like that thing in the beginning that you said. First find out because there has to be some reason why you are having that kind of a relationship with money, Right. Well, where is it coming from? Yeah, and it and, and there's so many different pieces. You know, when you start opening up the box and you start looking, there are so many different perspectives. There yeah. are so many different inputs. And we're very impressionable. Mm. We are. Our minds are very impressionable. Our hearts are very impressionable. And that's okay. It's part of us being human and connecting and having a shared experience. However, there are places where it can make us feel very inadequate you know, and we get into comparison and other things, and then we can kind of lose our own way of understanding our life and the way that we wanted to define our life. So it's it can get a little sanitized. Yeah. So when we're when we're on the authentic path and we're really trying to, you know, be our life as our expression of who we are, yeah, we gotta dig in and see what's there. <laughs> we gotta dig in, we gotta dig, 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 dig. And it's a never-ending digging, isn't it? To really listen to your inner voice and really know why you're feeling, you know, when the 
why is clear the how shall follow isn't it so yeah something like that and amazing i i really love this whole connection of this episode you know this whole flow that we are talking about i'm i'm really loving it but i'm not letting you go jill until you do uh, the most a popular part of the show which is called the quick five where i get to ask you five questions and you get to answer the five um, quick questions very quickly as okay. the name suggests okay <laughs> all right I will try so let's, shoot let's, let's do quick five with jill all right a common obstacle that stops people or organizations from approaching a life coach Hmm. I don't know what is the outcome. I don't know what's going to come from this. What's my return? You know, and so much about coaching is really opening up and holding an intention or an outcome but letting it unfold in its own way. There's often it's not very linear. Coaching is not very linear. And the causes are not always clear. So again, leaving space. So that uncertainty is what you know. What is what's going to come of this? So, um, but yeah, it's so beautiful when people really have the opportunity to be coached, and the beauty that can come from that, especially in organizations yes. when they overcome that fear of uh, you know what will be the outcome. Fantastic. I think most of the yeah most of the times you'll find leaders who have the experience of coaching will definitely then get it for their. um uh other employees you know people yeah. that actually experience a very experiential um way of going so yeah leaders are definitely going to going to be the turning for that to bring coaching into the organization absolutely all right what is the most rewarding success story you have witnessed as a transformational coach and i and i i understand that you cannot share everything that maybe your clients have shared but if you can share one particular interesting incident or anything from from what you've been coaching people this is tricky <laughs> it's tricky because it, it it's you know again it gets back into that kind of that word success and what we yeah. see as a positive outcome sometimes it's what clients are not doing which is so positive <laughs> versus what they are doing um you know i work with clients in so many different areas of their life and i think You know, one of the impactful pieces just recently I had a client that was actually working on something for quite a long time and you know, she showed up to the call and it was I didn't even know if I was talking to the same person. She was okay. so clear in her conviction, she was so clear in her path. She laid out, she was changing her work, her style of working. And she'd been working, she had been, you know, focusing on this for a long time and had a lot of questions for a long time. And just recently she just popped into a call and was just co- almost completely different. She's like I got this lined up. This is happening. I'm, you know, I'm I'm on board with this. This meeting happened. I'm and I just said to her I'm like, "Can you stop for a second because this is like night and day." So I think when you see clients just flip where the obstacles have just collapsed and they're like well on their way into the next set of challenges. or the next set of questions that come. I think when you that wave crashes, that's a, a beautiful moment as a coach because you're like, "Oh, we're on to the next part now. Here we go. That part's done. Now we move on." So, it that's that's the beautiful moment. Beautiful. Okay, can you share one quick daily practice that individuals can implement to boost their well-being? 
Ooh, I can give you one, which is something I've been doing recently. Okay. I don't think, okay. I don't know if this is in any books or, or anything. It has to do with um, kind of the start and the end of the day. Hmm. I, you know, you know, spiritually, the beginning of the day tends to be a time of the day when we're more open and more receptive and also closing the day. You know, it's like a, a sunrise, a sunset, an opening, a closing, a kind of um, it's like a natural flow. So in the mornings recently, I have been spending a little bit more time before getting out of bed, which isn't my habit. So for everyone who likes to lounge in bed, I'm not sure how this will sound. Um, but I spend this little bit of extra time in the morning really kind of nourishing myself. Okay. So whatever it is I'm working on, whatever it is I'm personally investigating within myself, if I find an area within myself that needs nourishment, that needs attention, that needs me to be there with it. Um, I spend time on that in the morning. So what that does for me is it just gives me, you know, that reassurance, that kind of soft, soothing energy of saying, you know, that encouragement. Maybe it's a keep going, or maybe it's just relax, everything's gonna be okay. You know, that's when the inner voice can come in as such a beautiful guide and and mentor or, or companion and partner. So I do this before I start the day more so right now. So it's like a nourishment. It's like a refuge before the day starts. And very easy to do. And we all can do that. Nothing doesn't require too much. No. And I kind of just made this up. So this is just something that I'm trying right now because the beginning and the end of the day, I mean, at the end of the day also, sometimes there's like a closing I like to do. Like a give, it's almost like a give thanks to everything that happened, all of it, you know. But uh, yeah, the opening of the day, I find that's really supportive for like the inner part of me. Lovely. I'm I'm so I'm so uh, inspired by this thought that I'm also thinking that I've forgotten to ask you the next question. I'm <laughs> I'm actually thinking, what am I going to do tomorrow? What am I going to thank for? I'm definitely thanking for this conversation that I'm having with you because it's really, really beautiful. All right. Uh, what is your favorite book or a resource for personal development? And why do you use that? Can you tell us your uh, powerhouse that you depend on? Actually, my go-tos are always the ones that I'm recommending to my clients and the ones that I have used on my journey. So um, if I can share those. Yes. Um, so one of the pieces is Louise Hay's book, that you can heal your life. So I love this idea that I can heal my life, whatever that might mean, putting my pieces together, understanding myself, um, living my best authentic life. Um, so her book, I love it as just a tool. And it's fantastic because I use it as a reference even now. The back of her book has mind-body connection piece like a list of mind-body connections. So you, anytime you have a symptom or something kind of crops up, I, you know, I kind of just go there and take a, take a look mm. and see where's my mind? Where, where might I be missing something? Where can I uh, support myself on the mental healing as, as long the, with the physical healing? So I love Louise Hay. And I have a second one too, if I can share. Okay. okay. So um, we haven't talked too much in the spirituality realm, but um, I love Pema Chodron's work. So okay. Pema Chodron is uh, an American Buddhist monk. 
And she wrote this fantastic book so many years ago. Wow, I read this book 25 years ago. It's called When Things Fall Apart. And it's, a, it's, a, it's so much about befriending the experience of being a bit of a mess, and which is so much of what we run into when we start going inside of ourselves. We find that there's quite a mess inside. And so it's nice to have a helpful attitude or a helpful way of bridging that pain and hurt and upset and disappointment and everything we might be feeling. So when things fall apart, I find to be a fantastic guide to a great approach just to life. Wow. And I, it's so funny. It's so mystic that our whole episode was based on the book that books that you've recommended. It's amazing. Really? Yeah, it? absolutely. You're talking about inner voice. You're talking about the mess that, you know, <laughs> one is uh, one finds oneself in. And then how do you kind of overcome that? Amazing. Okay. The last question and a very important question. What does freedom mean to you, Jill? Hmm. Wow. That's like the quest. Sukati. It's the quest. Yeah. Freedom. Um, and in fact, when you reached out uh, to be on this podcast, that was the word that stuck with me. I'm like, yes, the fact that a precursor to happiness is a sense of freedom. So I think uh, freedom for me, I think I'll just compare it to something like the blue sky or the sky above. And, you know, now in monsoon season, we don't see so much of that beautiful blue sky. But if you can just imagine those days and those places where the clouds are, it's free of clouds, it's free of rain, it's free of haze, it's free of all the things. And it's just wide, expansive and blue. And, you know, it's that sense that you get when you look up and you feel that sense of space and you feel that kind of, hmm, that exhale um, I think that wide openness for me represents a lot of freedom, um, freedom for choice, freedom for opportunity. And um, yeah, and we can be very big in that space. Yes. We can also expand into that space and be much larger with that uh, with that in front of us. So I think freedom for me is just that it's even an exercise to be larger and be in a, take up more space and feel a sense that, yeah, there are a lot of options for us. What a beautiful, beautiful answer. I'm, uh, you know, what I'm feeling is that, you know, we all human beings have the capability um, to really have a vast heart, to really have a vast heart, as vast as a expansive sky um, and really have opportunities. And I think that is the freedom that we all are talking about what an amazing conversation. Thank you so much, Jill. This has been really, really inspiring. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. And all the best in your season three. I look forward to those that you have to come. I'll be listening. Thank you. Thank you so much. Freedom to be happy by happiness.me is available on all leading podcast directories. Until the next episode, please take care, be safe. And remember, you have the freedom to be happy. 